Good morning and welcome everybody. You are listening to the Faith FM Network, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, depending on where you are in this amazing country called Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. How are you? I'm great. And you know what? We have no idea what day it is. You have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> because this is the... You're listening to the delayed broadcast and I don't know what day you're going to hear this one on, but probably, I don't know, maybe Monday. Yeah, well, we are recording this on Friday, the uh, the 6th of July, but yeah, it'll probably be aired, I don't know, next week sometime. Okay, so there's a way you can get into the, listen to the live show, and yes. we want to tell you all about it because that's where you that's where all the action is. It's super easy. Faithfm.com.au or via the TuneIn app, make sure you get the free version on your mobile device, and that way you get a perfect signal anywhere in the world, and you get to listen to the live show rather than the delayed broadcast. Mm-hmm. So much better. Yeah, you can like win the uh, quiz, which is getting snapped up quicker and quicker these days. So definitely being part of the live show enables you to do that. And then also, of course, we have the giveaway at the end of the show. And then we have, you know, all kinds of little ring-ins that you can do. So, And of course, we know what's coming up on today's show. We're mm. going to talk about John Huss. We are. The reformer. And uh, because of this, the, the delayed broadcast, you're going to have to scroll back through our social media just a little bit to find an amazing uh, yes. video there on the subject of mm-hmm. John Huss, mm-hmm. uh, the Bohemian reformer. And We're uh, also going to talk about tattooing and how it's affecting uh, blood donating, which is something we're doing after the show today. So I might put up a picture of us giving blood today. That, that'll be fun. Yes. Yeah, and we're going to be talking. I put a picture of Mon and Shell fainted. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't discuss the fact that you're not giving blood today, and why? I don't have a good enough. I don't have the right metabolism for donating blood. Yes. There are some people who should not do but donate blood, and uh, I am one of them. Does anyone else think that sounds like an excuse? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified of needles. Uh, well, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? And I'll pass and faint not from lack of blood, but from looking at the needle. Yeah, yeah. Sharp, pointy things, and I yeah, knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So you're grateful to not be giving blood today? I'm grateful for the weather we've been having Isn't in the middle of July. It feels like spring. I'm literally sitting here wearing shorts and a t-shirt and the window's open. The sun's streaming and it's a gorgeous day today. I hope it's like this on Monday, whenever it is you're listening to this, dear listener. It won't be. Yeah, it won't be. <laughs> I've, looked at the, I've looked at the long-term forecast and long-term forecast is it is winter. Well, I'm grateful because a prank I played on my housemate this morning went off really well before the show, like very early on. <laughs> um, he spits on his radio and it was all German. It was all German. I'd put a German CD in there because I, he's pretty good at pronouncing German words and I thought, you know what? He needs to learn. So last night while he was in the shower, my other housemate and I snuck out to his car and put some German CDs in. <laughs> he turned on his radio this morning it was like, Hallo, guten Tag, wie geht es dir? <laughs> oh, it was great. Anyway, stick around. We have a great show coming up for you today. Well, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, nobody else has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice, all the birds hush their singing. 
melody that he gave to me is in my heart. Just a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, nobody else has ever known. Welcome back. That was Daniel Martin Moore with In the Garden, and you're on Faith FM 87, 6, 87, 8, or 88, depending on where you are. It is the breakfast show, and we begin with a quiz. Mon, what is our first question for the or clue for the quiz? Yes. Okay. So it is Friday, and I decided. Do you know what? Um, I'm going to make it really easy because it is, you know, Friday. Uh, so this is a Who Am I? And I've already given a big clue by saying it's an easy one. So it's obviously a famous Bible character. And the first clue is I said, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. That's an easy one. That's what I just said. I said it was going to be an easy one because it's Friday and all our brains are getting a little bit putty. You know who it is, don't you? Yeah, if you know know which Bible character that is. Give us a proper quiz one of these days. (laughs) Oh, whatever. Challenge us a little bit. I'll have to do like a regular one and then a Lyle one. Uh, Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. If you know who that is, we're going to send you the prize if you do. Lyle. Yes. So today after the show, Shell and I are going to be doing something, um, our producer and myself, mm-hmm. are going to be doing something quite important actually. Some bleeding. Yes, we are. So we're going to go donate blood because we heard on the news um, that uh, people are in shortage mm-hmm. of, um, well, the, the, the blood of banks. Of your type. Yeah, of my, my type and specifically O negative. So any listeners out there uh, who have O negative blood, um, please, please go donate. There are Apparently, in absolute dire straits, and um, and need to get donations in. Um, you can call up, and you can go on online uh, at donateblood.com.au, and you can do it there. Uh, book, book an appointment, that is. But I was astounded when when I called up because I had to call up a couple of times to sort it all out because there's two of us, and so you know a little bit of an issue. And then we wanted to go at a specific time of the day after the gym and that kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> and we're a little bit. I was a little bit saddened when I was chatting to the woman as to why. Um, people about why there is a shortage Mm -hmm. and so apparently there's a shortage because less and less people are not it's not because they don't want to it's because they've disqualified themselves 
um, by different things. So, I mean, there's stuff you can't really help. Like if you were in the UK in between 1996 or something like that, um, you can't donate blood because I think there was mad cow disease back then or something. Mm-hmm. So, stuff like that you can't help. But then there is stuff you can help, stuff like getting a tattoo. So, Oh, really? Yeah. So, tattooing has now become so popular and so trendy and so many people have a tattoo. It's, it's difficult to meet someone these days who doesn't have a tattoo. But if you've had a tattoo um, in the last four months, I think it is, you, you can't donate blood. I did not know that, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and tattooing, it is it is addictive. And so, when people often get one. Addictive? How is it, yeah, what do you tattoo- mean is addictive? How you is speak it addictive? To, you speak to anyone who's had a tattoo and they, they rarely stop at one. They just keep getting more and keep getting more. That's why people have multiple tattoos. There's something addictive about it. I didn't actually look that part up as in like the science of it, but I know that it is addictive. Uh-huh. Um, a bit like we were all standard at first that video games were addictive, but it turns out they are. Yeah. So, um, so tattooing is addictive. And so, it, they almost end up getting on this cycle where they keep getting tattoos and so they can never donate blood and because it's so prevalent these days hardly anyone is able to give blood anymore because they're all got tats and i was a little bit sad about that and uh and i did look up you know um you know reasons not to get a tattoo and uh oh, okay. yeah and like because i so you're an anti-tattoo person i i am an anti-tattoo person um I, I had multiple times in my life dabbled with the idea mm-hmm. of getting a tattoo, but there were two things that always stopped me. Um, and that was because I, I understood looking at my personal life, doing some introspection, I felt that getting a tattoo showed a la- two things, a lack of foresight and a lack of introspection. Mm-hmm. Um, because knowing who, when I first, the first tattoo I ever wanted, I wanted an eight ball on my elbow because at the time I was a pool shark. I was working a crazy shift job and while waiting for my shifts to be called, I would play pool like eight hours a day with my coworkers. And so I was really good at pool mm-hmm. and I thought, this is great. I'm not going to be a pool shark forever. And <laughs> I wanted a pool tattoo. Um, but now like fast forward 10, 20, 15 years, whatever it is, like I never play pool anymore. Yeah, how long since the last time you played yeah, pool? Yeah, exactly. It's been years and I, it's not like a hobby. It's not an interest of mine. And that tattoo would be totally invalid to who I am now, who I've become. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that my personality and my character and my interests, they keep evolving and growing and changing. And so marking an interest I have now is very unlikely going to be interest. It's going to be an embarrassment to me. I'd be very embarrassed to have an eight ball on my elbow right now. <laughs> yeah. And so forth. Like, I'd know, give you so much so much flack over that if you'd done that Yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then at one point I wanted to have a pink flamingo on my hip because I thought pink flamingos were like the best bird ever or something like that. But like now I'm like, I would be even more mortified if I had a pink flamingo. So looking, uh, looking back... And knowing who I was, I have the ability to look forward and know that I will be someone different and I will regret that tattoo. And so I really think people who get a tattoo, they're just, they're just living in the moment and they're not thinking backwards or forwards. Well, not everyone, of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are some like, you know, often there's a tattoo where it commemorates a person who's passed away or something like that. Yeah. There's, I, I guess there's, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of different reasons out there, but... Um yeah, I think that uh, you know because it's a because it's a fad and because it's a craze and because it's a fashion and fashion changes. I think mm. that's probably one of the biggest um, things that t- sort of turns me away from yeah. it personally because it's like okay, this is fashionable now, but in ten years' time, exactly. it's going to be unfashionable, and it's not like you can take it off. You can't change it like you can your shirt. Yeah, exactly. It's or your like hairstyle. The, you know, the eighties. We look back at the eighties and we cringe. We had those crazy mullets and the big crazy fringes and the big puffy shoulders, and we. But we can still laugh it off because we've changed everything. You can't laugh off a tattoo. Yeah. 
says which, it's, it's there to stay and, yeah. that, and that hummingbird or so tattoos. it's going to turn into a buzzard. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. So on a, 20 on a, years from now. On a medical platform, there's risk of infection, interference with medical diagnosis, risk of death, military and uh, employment enlistment. It's still got a stigma there. Um, it's permanent, obviously. Oh, and P.S., just want to let you know, you know how tattoo parlors are now sprung up everywhere? Mm-hmm. Guess what else has sprung up everywhere? So this is this is Mon's this is Mon's anti tattoo rant. Well, yeah, morning. I just I just want to I just want to bring this to the attention of the Australian public because we sure. need to donate blood and we we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot with yeah. something that could be so easily preventable because I, d- I just don't think tattoos are a good idea. If tattoos were temporary, fine, but they're not; they're permanent. And this is the other thing that's that's um, you need to think about is the money. Not only is it expensive to do. It is also extremely expensive and so much more painful to have it removed. And now tattoo removal studios are springing up everywhere. Oh, they are really? booming in business because people already have regret. Because, 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 if, you fashion, had, because you had, if you had that eight ball on your elbow, yeah, you'd be wanting yeah. to get it off, off now. Fashion is already moving forward. And, like, and a lot of celebrities, they're already having their fashionable you know, tattoos removed. I mean, look Ouch. at people like... Um, uh, Feral Williams, who's you know he had like a huge percentage of his body tattooed when he was younger, and he's now trying to get it all removed. And he said it's extremely painful and very expensive. And most of us aren't celebrities; we can't afford that kind of a price tag. So we need to really think carefully about that. Anyway, I do want to move on because I don't just want to have a little rant about tattoos. On air. <laughs> I do want to. Hey, if you've got a different view on it, give us a call. Yeah, you know what our number yeah, is. please do. Um, P.S. Did you know that when you actually tattoo your body with that ink, that ink slowly leaks into your blood over years. And that ink, it doesn't actually get expelled from your system. It gets caught in the lymph glands in your armpits. And so often when someone has passed away that's had uh, a bunch of tattoos and they, um, you know, they cut them open, their lymph glands are often black. Oh, wow. With the ink oh, it's stained. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a healthy thing yeah. to do. Well, I, I couldn't imagine that putting ink in your body is a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Mon has finished ranting. Thank you very much. Okay, so... This is a bit of a sad start. A couple, um, Mary Davis and Ari Kundin in uh, Los Angeles, uh, very sad. Uh, about six years ago, they had a miscarriage and, uh, and discovered they were unable to um, conceive. And so they were devastated, but they decided they needed a way to heal. And this is, in my opinion, one of the best ways to heal uh, when you've had a, you know, a heartbreak or any sort of you know, um, personal tragedy is to throw yourself into helping others. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a biblical method. And what they did was they thought, you know what, we can't have kids. Um, you know, we can't celebrate, you know, their birthdays or their victories or their graduations. Let's celebrate the victories and the birthdays of homeless kids. Okay. And they started throwing birthday parties for homeless kids. This has been going on for six years now. And then they first started with like maybe about 10 people in attendance. They now throw these massive rooftop birthday parties for kids living on Skid Row um, for like 200 people at a time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's become, it's become a full-on uh, mission, mm-hmm. uh, a, bit of a bit of a ministry. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, it's called Worthy of Love and it's a non-profit. And uh, it's, <coughs> excuse me, absolutely beautiful. I've got some pictures here. I'm going to put them up on our, on our socials, but they're just so beautiful. You see these kids, you know, they, ha- they have such tough, hard lives. And, you know, usually those kind of kids, you don't really see them smile much, but they're all beaming. They've got their hands in the air and they're having a great time. And I think that's just beautiful. Oh, wow. There you yeah. go. So if you have a heartbreak, try and look around you and see who it is that you can help. Absolutely. By helping others, you do sure. actually help yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this is Vocal Union with the song There Never Was a Pulpit Like the Cross. Jesus climbed the hill of Calvary and he 
and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. What a cross gathered on the hill of Calvary that day, not long before Christ's victory was won. As his own mother watched and wept beside a friend whom Jesus loved, Christ said, Dear mother, when I'm gone, he'll be your son. Oh, there never was a pulpit like the old rugged cross, and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. A guilty man was hanging on another cross that day. Suffering, Jesus saw some good in him, and he forgave that man, and said, Today into my heaven enter in. Oh, there never was a pulpit like the old rugged cross, and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary. There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. As you sit and pray in comfort and in finery adorned, Without a thought of shame, regret, or loss Just think of Jesus on that hill in pain Too awful to be born And remember that old pulpit called a cross Oh, there never was a pulpit like the old rugged cross and there never was such a meeting place as Calvary there never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man and there never was a moment like the a pulpit like the cross. 
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM. Lyle, do you know what? I know we've already talked about what we're grateful for this morning, but I just super want to mention I'm also really grateful that we are having waffles tomorrow morning. (laughs) Traditional Saturday morning waffles. Okay, so we're going to do that for our listeners one of these days soon. Yes, we've been discussing this off air. We haven't figured out exactly when yet. And we've decided we are going to do a waffle breakfast just like we always do at my house, but mm-hmm. we're going to do it at Maitland Church so we can fit more people in. Yes. And uh, I'm going to make some – because we were working our way through a waffle cookbook. I purchased a waffle cookbook, just a recipe book full of waffles, and we've been working our way page by page by page, every single recipe in this book. We're this only, every Saturday morning. Every Saturday morning we're making yep. a new recipe. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've been making notes on all the recipes we make to, you know, say – Okay, so this means that we can find the most yes. popular one, oh, the best recipe yes, in the book. exactly what we're going to do. There's one already that is like just was loved above all the other recipes. People lost their minds for this particular recipe and that's the one we're going to make at Maitland. Okay, sounds yeah. good. Unless unless tomorrow's one tops that one. Unless tomorrow one, true story. If now Before now and then uh, we find one that's even better, then we'll do that. But for now... I mean, it'd be pretty hard. People were like, they were just like, these are the best waffles I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, if you if you Can't want some wait. waffles, listeners, this one's for you. Any listener can come, as long as you come know. Come and meet your breakfast show hosts. Yeah, yeah. And have waffles. And stay exactly. to church afterwards. That's it. That's yeah. it. Have a great time. All right, that sounds fantastic. Now, of course, in the news, um, Archbishop Philip Wilson has announced that he is appealing his uh, sentence of uh, six to 12 months of Netflix. He wants to appeal it? Yes, um, and still refusing to resign, but he is now facing pressure from um, the Australian, uh, the Catholic bishops of Australia, who are pushing for him to resign because of the damage that is being done to the church, the damage that is being done to the archdiocese, um, etc. And uh, along with Malcolm Turnbull, Bill Shorten, um, other prominent leaders of the community, the problem is that the Catholic bishops of Australia can't force him to resign. The only person who can force him to resign or sack him effectively is Pope Francis himself. And so, uh, yeah, I'm calling on Pope Francis to actually act on this and protect his church yeah. and protect the name of Christianity in general and uh-huh. to actually do something about this. Don't just sack him, stick him in prison. Well, I don't think Pope Francis can do that. Here in Australia, but... Take him uh, to the Vatican where the Pope's in charge and stick him in prison there. Yeah, but somebody needs to send a very clear message to mm. the victims that somebody yeah. cares about them and somebody needs to send a very clear message to the magistrate who gave him this sentence that, you know, we're simply not going to stand for this kind of thing. But this happens on a somewhat auspicious day because it was in on this day in 1415 mm-hmm. that one of the forerunners to our Royal Commission, a man by the name of John Huss a member of uh, the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. a, a citizen of the Czech Republic, was burnt to death. Are you serious? And one of the reasons that he was burnt to death, he began by standing up against the abuses of morality in the uh, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, which, of course, which the, was the dominant church you know, in Christianity, Western Christianity at least at that time. And um, so the moral corruption of uh, the priests, the clergy, uh, the popes, etc., he began to denounce that quite severely. And so in some ways he can be seen as a forerunner of our Royal Commission today where he, where he, he looked at what was happening and decided he would do something about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he, he did go further than that. Um, there was um, a number of other things that he denounced. Now, of course, this was a time in which there were, uh, which happened on several occasions, but there were two popes at the same time. 
both calling each other the Antichrist in the course he <laughs> agreed with both of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, they would sometimes go to war with each other and this went on you know, through f- several successions. So you had your French popes and your Italian popes and, um, and then their descendants. And, of course, this particular schism began, it was an interesting one because it began when the uh, cardinals elected a pope. A few months later they decided they didn't like him so they elected another one in France. So it was the same group of cardinals, whereas in the past when they'd been two popes, they'd been elected by rival groups of cardinals. Oh. So this was a little bit more confusing. Mm-hmm. So you've got two popes that were both elected. They're both ruling at the same time from uh, different locations, and they uh, were elected by the same group of cardinals. And so the, you know, everyone is like, well, uh, which, one is, which one are we to follow? And then, of course, you know, they died and were succeeded and died and succeeded and so forth. And so you had these two streams running down through and, you know, different countries would support one pope and other countries would support another pope. And uh, it was all very political and eventually they decided to solve the problem. And so they said, like, okay, we're going to scrap the two that we've got and we're going to... Um, oh, have a third one. <laughs> have a third one. Well, they scrapped the two that they got, which both refused to go. Oh, no. Elected a third one and now... Now they had three. And so then um, one of them started a crusade and offered indulgences and forgiveness of sin if you went to war against uh, this other pope, etc. And, of course, John Huss stood up and said, you know, enough is enough. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, you're offering forgiveness of sins to go to war against another pope. um, And and it was just making Christianity the laughingstock of... Of uh, of the of the world of the you know particularly the Western world and you can imagine what Eastern Christianity was thinking of it at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was giving a very powerful impetus to the writings of John Wycliffe mm-hmm. from England, and John Huss began to read those writings and to translate them into the Czech language, and this was a man who stood for the Bible alone, who translated the Bible into the English language, um, who believed in salvation by grace. And believed that you know uh, that, that priests shouldn't be living in luxury and wealth, but should be actually out there doing something in the community to help people who were needy. And he started his own group of priests who actually went throughout the country teaching the Bible and helping the needy, and uh, and and not collecting you know vast amounts of money. Why'd they burn him? He sounds like a good guy. Yeah, well, you know, these weren't so popular, you know, to the church at that particular time. This was different times to now. And uh, although sometimes when you look at, you know, some of our mega church evangelists, you think, wow, were they really that different? Mm. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, this was, this was, what, was uh, what was taking place. He also did not believe in, well, he, he preached very strongly against indulgences, which was the practice of buying forgiveness for a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which created tremendous wealth. Um, you know, the St. Peter's Basilica was built through the sale of indulgences. Um, he did not believe in transubstantiation. You know what that is? No. Transubstantiation is a big word that simply means that uh, during the Mass, the wafer is turned into the literal, literal body of Christ by the priest. So the priest oh. creates his creator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the priest creates God within the wafer. Doesn't and, sound and, and he was logical like, yeah, at all. No, 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 no. Yeah. no. He, he did believe that it was the body of Christ by faith. Okay. So it was a it was a variation of that. Um, so it's not just symbolic. They literally believe that once it's in you, it turns into a piece of flesh. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Not, not symbolic. Um, wow. But but literally. Yeah, I feel like that'd be very easily scientifically disproven just by having a bit of dissection going on, and then yeah, well, you know, th- th- there's all that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then he appealed to Jesus Christ as his only judge because he was condemned around the world. You know, he was he was standing up and he was making his voice heard, and he was being condemned from one side of the world to the other, and uh, different uh, you know kings and, and and popes and so forth were condemning him, and uh, he's like, well, Christ is my only judge. Amen. And you, you can't judge me on these matters. You know, these are these are matters of spirituality. These are matters of conscience, and you can't judge me on these. And uh, that created quite a stir. Um, and of course, then he began to write all of his articles, particularly his religious articles, in the Czech language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, of course, was you know this was a, this is a major no no. Everything in those days, theological had to be written in Latin because Latin was a dead language and only the priests knew it. But he recognised that the majority of priests didn't know Latin either, and so the majority of priests had never read a Bible. I had no idea what the Bible said uh, because they didn't read Latin. And of course, John Wycliffe had recognised this in England, hence he had translated the uh, the Bible into the English language. And so, um, and so he began to write in the Czech language, and of course, that then became available to the public, and that really got people stirred up. Um, and uh, you know, obviously not within um, you know the Czech Czech Republic or what was called Bohemia back then. Um, Bohemia had tremendous support. And uh, Bohemia became Protestant, was Protestant for the next three hundred years as a result. But it, uh, yeah, this was the this was the Reformation in Bohemia before the Great Reformation of the sixteenth century. And on this day, in what, what date did I give that? Fourteen fifteen or something. Fourteen fifteen. Like John Huss was burnt to death for doing all of these things right here. Good. It's a really cool story. I do sometimes wonder what our reformers would be doing if they were alive now in 2018. I think they would be standing up against some of the things oh, that are going on yes. within Christianity. Mm-hmm. This is Sufjan Stevens, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. i 
count of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount i fixed upon it mount of thy unchanging love Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88, depending on where you are across the Faith FM network. And before we go to our interview this morning, we have another clue for our quiz. And Mon, what is our next clue? Yes. Okay. Just a side note. We're already three clues ahead on our Instagram page. So if you check out Faith FM Live and listen to the Insta story, you'll see a bunch of extra clues there. This is a Who Am I quiz. The second clue is, in fear for my life, I faked insanity standing before... Akish, King of Gath. Oh, wow. Mm, who pretended to be a loony? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you know who that is, and we'll give you the prize. Okay, well, this is an interesting uh, clue to be throwing out right now mm-hmm. because our um, next person that we're going to be interviewing works in the area of uh, mental health. Um, David Jeftovic, well, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? And I should say that uh, we are glad to catch you with your feet on the ground this morning because uh, just uh, David not only works in the area of mental health, but David is a domestic airline pilot. And uh, so, yes, glad that you're not somewhere in the air, or we trust that you're not somewhere in the air right now, and uh, able to join us here on Faith FM. Yes, thank you very much. Although that would be really cool. Maybe you could call us back when you're like, I don't know, flying way above us. <laughs> there might there might be a law against that somewhere. I'm oh. just sort of just sort of thinking, you know. <laughs> Making uh, doing radio interviews while being in charge of uh, a, a, a cool, airliner cool show, full though. of people. <laughs> anyway, David, um, we actually wanted to specifically talk to you about mental health this morning and um, uh, you're a, uh, a uh, was it a mental health nurse, is that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And, uh, and of course, um, counsellor and so forth. And you've been doing some research recently um, in the area of forgiveness. And I'm wondering whether you can share with us how does forgiveness relate to mental health and, you know, what role does that play in, in our mental health? Is, you know, is forgiveness something that is, is important, is mildly important, is critically important? Um, or is not important at all? Um, Forgiveness, I would say, is extremely important. Uh, It's not something that we really like to contemplate that much. But the reason why it's so important, it it helps both our mental health and also our physical health. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. So... From a mental health point of view, uh, people can suffer mood disturbances, um, they can suffer irritability, uh, anger for the hurt that they've suffered, um, and things like that. From a physical point of view, um, it affects a person's stress levels, Uh, so chronic high stress, we know 
impacts um, high blood pressure, which leads on to uh, uh, cardiac complications. So by practicing forgiveness, um, it heals us both mentally and physically. Okay, so th- yeah, and, and that's and that's a really important thing. Um, now, but uh, you know, if a person is a high stress situation, how do you recognise whether that is a um, an issue of a lack of forgiveness or whether it's just the fact that they are in a demanding job? Well, that's when someone has to sit down and examine their life to uh, see what is causing them high stress. Um, often, you know, people uh, can readily recognise. Uh, stresses like job or um, um, moving house or um, illness in the family, um, passing of a loved one. These are stresses that are that are readily identifiable. Mm. Um, the stress of anger uh, is not so readily identifiable. Uh, the reason for that is that when we're hurt, we tend to cope with the hurt in a variety of different ways. We we might deny it. Um, we might overlook it by pretending it didn't happen. We might focus on the on the other person and and plot revenge in our minds. We may we may never follow through with it, but these are the things that that we we do as 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 people. We may even displace the anger on a third person, not even realizing that we've done that. Um, And so we can live our life in a fair amount of denial that we are angry uh, and we are hurt. And that's where, um, when people uh, might seek out a counsellor or a psychologist or something along those lines, that's when we can explore uh, people's lives. And, And often people are surprised when... It comes down to um, their anger, or that they haven't, they've, they've suffered a hurt and they haven't dealt with it properly. Is there is there alternatives to dealing with you know that anger and that pain and that hurt when somebody's hurt them other than forgiveness? So say so, say for instance, let's say somebody has done something to me that is incredibly unjust, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to forgive that person. Um, it's never going to happen because they don't deserve my forgiveness. Um, do I have a do I have an alternative? Is there a, is there a way out? Is there a, is there a different way of dealing with that stress? Um, there. There are many ways of dealing with that stress. Often, often people um, will ignore it. They might use substances uh, such as tobacco or alcohol. Um, uh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm looking for is there is, is there an effective way, <laughs> or is it always just going to sit there in the back of your mind and come back and uh, be eating away at you? Unless you deal with it. In a healthy way, there is there is no other way of dealing with a, a hurt or a pain effectively. Right. So if somebody's hurt you and somebody's brought you pain, then what you're saying is the only effective method is to practice you know, what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, what the Bible um, teaches, what the Bible's been teaching for the last three and a half thousand years, and that is forgiveness. Correct. Now, is this recognised by you know uh, uh, mainstream counsellors, psychologists, uh, people dealing with uh, mental health, or is this something that um, 
really comes within the area research that's been done, you know, primarily by people of faith? Um, research has been done by both, both by people of faith and and people uh, who who do not have faith. Um, and it is still it is recognised by both camps that forgiveness is extremely important to one's health. Mm. Um, it's just that people of faith would be more open to the idea because uh, it is something that that is naturally intrinsic uh, within the Christian world. Having having said that, um, uh, don't let me um, uh, lead people up the garden path by by suggesting that, that Christians themselves um, naturally forgive. Um, it's not, this is not a natural, forgiveness is not a natural um, a reaction to hurt and pain, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. Um, so this is something that, that, whether you have faith or not, this is something that you need to consider in your life. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask, you know, how, how does one actually forgive? Like if I said to someone, you need to forgive that person, like wh- what are the actual, you know, the, the mechanics of it, so to speak? Like, okay, fine, I want to forgive them, but you know, how, how do you forgive and let them go? Like how does it actually work? Um, well, there are a number of steps to forgiveness. Um, the, first, the first thing that I would say is that you need to overcome the myths of, of, uh, of forgiveness. So you need to understand what, what forgiveness is not because we tend to, we tend to um, uh, believe uh, just through our growing up process that forgiveness is a certain thing. So forgiveness isn't forgetting the, the pain. It's, it doesn't imply that that it's okay for the hurt that's been done. Um, you don't just forgive and make up. You know, when we were little kids, uh, our parents taught us to forgive and make up, and and often, often you see children very resentfully doing that. Mm. Um, I know I did. I know I did when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> yes, I think we probably all did as children. Yes, I forgive you. Stop your foot and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it and it doesn't forgiveness doesn't set the other person free. So so another myth is that is that when you forgive someone, um, the myth is that that person walks off scot free. That's not true. Um, often the person. That you've forgiven, if they know that that you've forgiven them, will will uh, suffer an immense amount of guilt and pain uh, because they they know how much pain you have uh, overlooked and uh, let them off, so to speak. Um, but it sets it sets you free. That's the that that's something that's not realised. So when you forgive. Uh, and you release that that pain, that anger uh, from yourself. You are setting yourself free to live a better life today and in the future. Whereas if you don't forgive, um, you live a painful life today, and the pain continues in the future because you are trapped in that cycle of of certain pain. 
Um, but it, you yourself become a victim, more of a victim uh, than than the initial wrong that was committed to you. I've heard someone described describe uh, you know refusing to forgive somebody who has hurt you as as um, allowing them to live rent free in your brain. Would that would mm. would you agree with that? Very much so. Very much so. The problem is many of us don't realise that someone is living rent free in our brain. <laughs> how do we how do we figure out that there is someone living rent free in our brain, so to speak? How do we you know, how do we identify that through that all that you know willingness in our brain and go hang on do you know what I do have a problem here I do need to deal with this how do we you know if I wanted to check myself and see whether or not I have any anything I need to forgive or anyone that I need to forgive how do I check that I'm sorry there's just a little bit of feedback when you were speaking there and I didn't catch everything what was the last part of your question there how, how, how do you what how do you check you know how do you check yourself and do some introspection to see whether or not there's someone or something you need to forgive well um you you assess you you can assess yourself you people know very readily if they're carrying a grudge against a person um who has hurt them in the past um uh, if they if they're having fantasizing of of of, um, of of inflicting pain upon another person, these these are all signs and symptoms of of uh, their overlooking the fact that they need to forgive someone. Uh, they may have physical signs like uh, high blood pressure as well, um, um, and. Uh, so, so this is really a subjective assessment of yourself. Um, and once you've assessed yourself, uh, you can then identify um, those pains and what you need to forgive. Sure. Uh, now, mind, yeah. mind you, uh, um, this is not limited to, to uh, people who are presently living uh, with you, you know, um, someone may have, you know, if you've lived a, a long life, uh, you may have had people in your past who have, who have passed away, um, and you can't approach them to forgive them. It's just as important uh, for your own health, uh, both mentally and physically, to go through that process of forgiveness, even though they may not be around to forgive them uh, in person. Mm. David, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, I have really appreciated what you've shared about forgiveness and how it affects our uh, mental health, our physical health, and we how how much what improvements we can get just simply by forgiving people. It seems to be a a, a simple thing to uh, to take care of. So, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we've got uh, an answer for our quiz here, Mon. Yes, and, I knew um, it was easy. Matthew Cohen has come through, so congratulations. Matthew has answered the quiz correctly. And the answer, of course, was David. Yes, yeah, indeed it job. was. Matthew from Point Clare, congratulations. We'll I be wonder, sending you the wonder whether he got ahead of everybody else on our social media Ooh. or whether he just went, oh, he's just going, no, I've got. Oh, he just knew it off the top two, good on you. knew ya. it off the top two clues. Fantastic. That is a famous story, though, of um, King David pretending to be uh, crazy. But, yeah, check out this song. It's a wonderful one by Katie Gustafson.
your friends, maybe your future. This weekend, Hamilton Adventist Church is hosting presentations on hot topics of climate change, the economy, and living a purpose-filled life. And we want you to join us in sharing your thoughts through roundtable discussion. Discover hope right here at Hamilton Adventist Church beginning 7 p.m. Friday, July 6. For more info, call 0466-693-095 or visit discoverhopeseries.com. See you there.